Ninja. Hi everyone and welcome to Geography Ninja and th this time what I wanted to look at is Greek mythology and specifically you know what is the geography of Greek mythology and um, <clears throat> I suppose where all this starts from for me is as uh, a 10 year old I think I was about 10 watching Jason and the Argonauts uh, the movie uh, which has got the fantastic Ray Harryhausen special effects, all this stop-motion animation. Um, now, the movie dates from 1963, believe it or not. Now, um, but I was captivated by this right from the first viewing uh, with all the monsters, the skeletons, the, the uh, harpies that fly around, sort of tormenting a, a you know blind hermit. And then you've got the... Uh, the bronze automaton called um, Talos that the Argonauts have to deal with. So all of these things, wow, I just couldn't, uh, just couldn't quite comprehend what was going on. And it did make me think, you know, in, in later years, I probably watched this film, I don't know how many times I've, I've watched it, um, at least about once a year I'm going to watch it. And it has made me think, what, how does it all link to, to geography? You know, how, where did all of this happen? Specifically with that film, you know, what is the route that the Argonauts might have taken. Um, but, you know, let's let's just take a bit, bit of a step back because this podcast really is about how the Greek myths might link geographically to certain locations. I suppose, you know, if we weren't just focusing on geography, we might be thinking, well, what is the point of myths um, overall? And, um, <clears throat> you know, one... Jason and the Argonauts got me reading... Uh, Greek mythology and one of the the books I, I do go back to quite a bit is uh, Robert Graves's The Greek Myths. Um, now my the, the one I've got is the 1996 edition and the editor's introduction in there actually says that myths offered a, a communal viewpoint for citizens of specific areas. Um, so there you go, you know, it's specific to these parts of ancient Greece. It also says that often myths get lost when a culture dies. So very, very rarely will a mythology continue, you know, unbroken. We do have some exceptions to that, however. I mean, places like India, for example, have had this sort of mythology, relig you know, its religion going back millennia. Um, you know, the Hindu mythology and so on, going back thousands of years. Ancient Greece um, really stopped, well, I suppose it, you know, had its high point, I don't know, around, what, 400, 300 um, BCE. Um, the whole thing, the whole um, ancient Greek religion would have died out in around um, 400 CE or, so, or thereabouts. However, Greek myths have outlived the end of ancient Greek culture. So, you know, part of this is the globalising influence, there's some geography coming in now, of the Roman Empire. You know, ancient Greece became part of the Roman Empire, um, I think, in the 2nd century BCE. Uh, you know, so Greece was taken over by Rome. By the time it got to around 300 CE, then we're getting into uh, the the beginning of Christ the Christianity within the the Roman Empire. But it survived that as well, even though lots of most of the temples 
um, would have been destroyed, statues would have been broken or lost uh, or buried or whatever. The the influence of Greek mythology has lived on. Now, you know, so part of this is the Romans taking over um, lots of these myths and stories and gods and, you know, making them their own. That has helped to spread it. But I think also it's because the stories have just resonated with people. They found re- relevance in it. Um, you know, so back in the Renaissance, you had all the, the uh, you know, famous artwork being done, drawing on Greek mythology, so bringing it to the attention of, of people. We've had the study of classics, really almost unbroken, uh, you know, through medieval times right up to the to the present. Um, and so although some names of Greek mythology were were changed under the Romans, so for example, Heracles, uh, probably better known actually as Hercules, but mostly the names of places and the connection to a Greek location went unchanged. And, um, you know, another, I suppose, globalised part of the Romans taking over uh, Greece would have been the fact that many educated Romans would have been bilingual, as well as speaking Latin. They would have also spoke, uh, been able to speak Greek. So the, all of these things has helped keep Greek mythology alive, even though, you know, under Christianity, uh, back in the early medieval times, it would have been seen as maybe a pagan religion. Ninja! 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 Now, possibly the the first thing we need to really focus in on with the link between geography with uh, Greek mythology is in the um, the mother goddess, the earth goddess known as Gaia. Now, Gaia has maybe become better known in recent years as the, the Gaia hypothesis by James Lovelock, so a very influential book from the late 70s that um, sets out the idea that the Earth is really one self-sustaining uh, organism that will uh, seek to sort of maintain um, an equilibrium, which is a, it's a fascinating uh, read. So if you haven't read that, I would definitely recommend that. But, you know, thinking about Greek mythology, Gaia was was really the, the uh, one of the Greek primordial deities and um, lots of, of books on Greek mythology uh, set out Gaia as, as the personification of the earth or the ancestral mother of all life and um, the, the the name Gaia or the the um, the GE part of the word Gaia really links in to lots of prefixes that we use uh, currently, so geography, um, the study of of the earth, you know, geo, standing for earth, it comes from the, the the Greek which links in to the the word Gaia or geology, you know, the study of of rocks and you know everything under your feet. Um, so geo links to Gaia. So really, when you're studying geography, you just the word geography has got a link to to Greek mythology. Now let's have a bit of a think. Some, let's have a look at the background geography where Greek mythology developed. Um, so the first thing to say is that there are several different geographical 
features or factors within uh, Greece that have really given rise to the type of uh, myths uh, that make up the body of uh, mythology. First thing to say is Greece is um, it's very mountainous. There are lots of very mountainous, hilly areas. In fact, somewhere in the region of 80% of the Greek mainland is what we might class as mountainous. Now, one of the, you know, so you think, well, what's the home of the gods? Mount Olympus. Um, and the mountains geographically form quite a barrier between one place and another. So journeys by land across mainland ancient Greece were quite tricky. Um, one of the things is, though, Greece has got an amazingly long coastline. So the, the, the second point is the fact, first of all, the Aegean Sea is made up of somewhere in the region of about a thousand islands. So some of them are, are relatively large. If we think about islands such as Crete or Rhodes, uh, we've got some very large islands, but then we've got lots of much smaller islands uh, there as well. So I'm thinking of places like Lesbos or Lemnos um, and so on. So you've got a huge number of um, islands, but you've got a very long coastline. The actual mainland Greece has got a very long coastline. So it was definitely very much a, um, a seafaring nation who used um, the sea and uh, coastline because the, uh, the land surface was actually quite difficult to travel over. So travel by sea, uh, by boat, was, um, was very, you know, was, was the way of, of doing things very often. So that connection with the sea. In terms of human geography, um, we've got a language, you know, we've got ancient Greek as a, a language and we've got similar cultures, but ancient Greece never actually formed one um, coherent whole empire. Um, what it was divided into is a number of uh, often very powerful individual city-states. So, you know, for example, places like Sparta and Athens would be uh, clear examples of that, Thebes and so on. So we've got a number of powerful city-states. Now, in addition to that, the fourth element, um, ancient Greek geography, is that the Greeks formed and set up colonies beyond the, um, the Greek mainland and islands. So throughout the, the Mediterranean, actually, so mostly eastern Mediterranean, North Africa, um, parts of Turkey, but also into to modern day um, southern Italy, parts of southern France, the Spanish Mediterranean coast, and so on. So this all helped the spread of Greek culture and therefore mythology uh, through a much wider geographical location than just the Greek islands and mainland. Ooh, that's quite interesting. So we thought a little bit about the actual physical and human geography of ancient Greece. Uh, what about the the worldview that ancient Greeks had? Obviously, the, the mythology was um, a key part of that. But, you know, how would it link into how ancient Greeks perceived place and places that are within the myths? So I think it's fair to say that, um, you know, really the myths inhabited more than just the physical world so on on one level you've got what's up on 
Mount Olympus, you know, the 12 Olympian gods. So, you know, Mount Olympus is a real place, but then, you know, somewhere in the peaks above the clouds of Mount Olympus, you've got the, the home of the gods. And if you go the other way, if you go down into to Hades, or um, I suppose it was originally called you know, Tartarus, the uh, the idea that it would, t- I think, uh, I remember reading somewhere, the idea that if you dropped an anvil from the top of Mount, Mount Olympus, it would take nine days to reach the earth. But then if you dropped an anvil from um, the surface of the earth down into Tartarus or the un- underworld, um, it would take another nine days before it reached the bottom. So this sort of conception of um, where the the earth that, that humans inhabit how that relates to the the heavens and the the depths um that's part of it um so certainly the greek view of the world would have been different to to ours uh there was a belief that the world was flat but in a, a circular sort of way a bit like a, a a plate if you like the fact that greece would have been the the center um of that so even the the mediterranean you know what does the word Mediterranean mean well in Latin, um, it's it it refers to the middle of the lands. You know you've got this this sea which is in the middle of the the known world, the geographically mapped out world, and the idea that you've got a um, the river ocean running around the edge of the world. Ancient Greeks would also have thought well they've got their their civilization. Uh, going on what's north of that you have the hyperboreans um which people who uh you know who who had a a good life i don't know how a good life i don't know how far the hyperboreans would have uh were expected to to have lived away from the the mediterranean and so on whether whether britain uh ancient britain would have been part of that but if you go south um, there is knowledge of Africa, so the, often in in Greek stories would have been called Ethiopia. Um, so really, just meaning that it's it's a long way away. Uh, it's in Africa somewhere, and then you've got somewhere you've got the uh, to the west. You have what were known as the Elysian Fields. Um, now you know if you've ever visited Paris, you'll know you know that the the major um, thoroughfares in Paris is the Champs Elysees, uh, French for the Elysian Fields, um, but this is the 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 sort of Greek paradise. This is where the the top people from Greece would go to when they uh, when they died. So you know the Greek geographical perception of place, this sort of supernatural imposed on the the natural world. Now, probably geography's favourite Greek god uh, has got to be Poseidon, because Poseidon, as well as being the god of the sea, was also known as Earthshaker, because Poseidon was the god that caused earthquakes and tidal waves and... You know, and with ancient Greece being so connected with the sea, as we've said before there now, and also being on a, a very active 
uh, tectonic area where, you know, earthquakes and volcanoes would have played quite a large part in in people's lives and experience there you know poseidon would have been would have been a big one so this part of um you know greece uh, in terms of tectonic plates we've got this this junction between the eurasian and the the african plate um so yeah lots of poseidon cults going on there and um you know so there was this is in in before we had sort of um disaster you know hazard mitigation strategies and things like that so well apart from praying to poseidon presumably that would that would be your your strategy um for doing it but you know if you're ancient greek you probably would have believed that if poseidon was unhappy with you then you know he would send an earthquake to to level your city um and so on so there's lots of uh in ancient greece lots of temples to poseidon um a bit of an insurance policy presumably the more uh the more worshipping you can do of poseidon you know the more burnt offerings you can give uh to that particular god then presumably uh, you you would be a bit safer from uh, his wrath. Um, so we've also got so volcanoes. Well, this is is probably connected to the the god Hephaestus, um, who was the the blacksmith god. But also, well, actually, in Roman mythology, Hephaestus becomes Vulcan, uh, where you get you know, the term volcano, volcanology, um, all of that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, there you go. So you, you've got another, one of the, uh, another, uh, Olympian God there who is connected to volcanoes. Um, what about the Titans? You know, these, these were the, the, the sort of earlier generation of Greek gods and weird creatures. So many of them would have been, you know, at the time when there was a, a war between the Titans and the Olympian gods, uh, the Titans were imprisoned below the Earth's surface in Tartarus and so on. What's the what's the result of that? Uh, well, maybe volcanic activity is is part of it. Um, so, and you know, humans historically and and probably back in mythology time, mythology as well, humans have got this this funny love hate relationship with volcanic areas. So on the one hand, yes, they they can destroy everything in their paths, but they also uh, provide fertile soil. You know, you've got all of those rich minerals, fertile soils that volcanic activity um, can bring. So, um, yeah, well, that's 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 another one. So anyway, what what else? Let's have a look at a couple of other things here. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? <laughs> Now, so we've talked a little bit about the, the worldview of the ancient Greeks and how they, they saw their position in relation to everything else. Um, one thing in Greek mythology I, I really love the idea of is of the omphalos. And if you don't know what the omphalos is, um, it, the ancient Greeks saw it as the centre of the world. It mean, actually means navel, as in belly button. So this is the, the centre of the ancient Greek world, which was supposed to be um, at Delphi, 
where they had the the oracle um, of Apollo, I think it was. Um, so this is, uh, and there's a there's a big Greek mythology story behind this as well, because the the Omphalos was swallowed by Kronos, who was the the father of Zeus, uh, the son of uh, Uranus. And, um, <clears throat> well, Rhea, who was um, Cronus' wife, tricked uh, Cronus into swallowing uh, the stone instead of uh, Zeus. He swallowed all the rest of his children, who were later to be regurgitated and become the, um, some of the Olympian gods. But um, when, um, when Cronus... Uh, coughed up this stone that he'd been tricked into swallowing. It landed at Delphi and um, turned into a shrine, became the, the oracle of, um, of Delphi. So, you know, she's one of the, the sort of foundation myths of ancient Greece. Where's the centre of the earth? Well, actually, it's at, at Delphi where the Omphalos uh, stone is. Mm, okay, well, I think we're going to finish off. Let's just go back, uh, finally, to Jason and the Argonauts. We're going to come back to where we started. Um, <clears throat> Jason and the Argonauts is a really interesting story because it's a journey, um, as lots of these sort of heroes quest type stories are. Um, now, I mentioned a bit earlier on how ancient Greece was made up of a number of city-states. They, were, they had the natural barriers of the mountains, but they were connected by the sea. Uh, they shared a language and, and culture, but in terms of mythology, it was it was definitely got changed uh, over time. It got changed, but also geographically, lots of these uh, myths were retold in slightly different ways. Had slightly different things going on in them. Um, the Jason and the Argonaut story is is supposed to have been set um, about a generation before uh, the Trojan War. Um, <clears throat> now, geographically, it's located on the, the edge, the, the sort of eastern fringe of mainland Greece at Thessaly. Um, <clears throat> but what, you know, what is the actual uh, journey that the Argonauts took? This is the thing that, that uh, entranced me as a 10-year-old as a watching the movie. Now, in the movie, they say, you know, are we, go, are we going to cold kiss we're going to collect the golden fleece, and there's some discussion about oh, it's the you know it's the far side of the world, the other side of the world, um, and that probably was was the case at the point. So in in most retellings of the story um, that I've come across, certainly the probably the most famous one, which was put together by a writer called um, Apollonius of Rhodes, who uh, in the third century. Um, BCE was head of the, the library at Alexandria. So it's got a bit of weight behind it, this version. Um, <clears throat> Colchis is, is believed to have been set somewhere on the eastern coastline of the Black Sea. Um, so it was a voyage from mainland Greece to what I presumably is, is present day, part of the, one of the Central Asian republics, maybe Georgia, um, now, so there's been various maps. If you search the internet, you can find various maps showing you the route 
taken by the Argonauts based on the best classical sources. Now, there are different interpretations of this, and so some of them um, also show the Argonauts actually crossing most of Central Europe. Some of them go through to Northern Europe and the British Isles. I've even seen one map, quite bizarrely, showing the Argonauts actually going across the Atlantic Ocean as well to the Americas. Now, um, <clears throat> historian Michael Wood, writing on the um, BBC Ancient History uh, website pages back in 2011, a mine of information there about Jason and the Argonauts, but his view is very much that the whole voyage of Jason and the Argonauts um, really represents um, an age of exploration and colonisation on behalf of the Greeks going away from their homeland into places such as the Black Sea. Um, and, you know, the whole voyage, he says, it maybe could be seen as a metaphor for opening up that whole whole coastline. Now, Michael Wood also suggests that um, the Greeks pre-colonisation uh, uh, called the Black Sea actually the Axinos Pontus, which uh, translates to the hostile sea, and um, if if you've seen the the Ray Harryhausen movie, you've got this scene where um, the the Argonauts are going through the area with the clashing rocks, um, and Poseidon steps in, intervenes, and sa saves them. But that was supposed to be the entrance to the Black Sea, the Bosphorus, and uh, you know, underlining the fact that it is a um, a hostile sea. It's somewhere that they haven't that is still beyond their comprehension as, as an area of civilization. Now, um, interestingly, I found out that there is um, there are areas in this this part of the world, in northwest Georgia. In fact, there's a village in um, Svaneti, which is, is in this uh, part of Georgia. Now, here, people are still panning for gold using fleeces of sheep, of sheep rather, to do so. So there is some historical continuity there with these mythological stories that date back thousands of years and come from you know different sources and they've got different meanings behind them and so on and you know what is the the actual reality of life for people still in in that part of the world so look i hope you found that interesting um greek mythology is there it's still it's, it's part of of that geography as well um so that's geography ninja Signing out, I will speak to you again very soon. Bye for now.